I was watching the news, and you know how when the weather, when the weather girl gives the like, it's going to be 105 tomorrow, 60% humidity, and the anchors go, oh, Janice, really? And she's like, I'm sorry, like guys. Like it's Janice's fault. But how funny would it be for someone to for real be mad? It's like Janice is like, it'll be 105 degrees tomorrow, and the anchor goes, oh, fuck you, Janice. <laughs> You cunt. You've been here two, four fucking years. You haven't given us a good summer. It's already 105. Why do we even have you here? Everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord. Yeah, during the news interview, I was. she said to me before we got started, she turn the camera on and she goes okay the camera's not on we're just talking and i'm like all right is the camera really not on or are you just saying that so i'm comfortable she's like oh, we're just let's just talk i'm like yeah but I, I already know how to talk i'm i'm not nervous by you <laughs> or that and so and I, it was on right it was on yeah and she asked me questions and while i was answering the questions from off camera she's making all these faces like as if it like the faces of like what Oh, well, no way. Oh, to try to pump That's you up. That's so funny. And I'm like, yeah. I like I know you probably have to do this with normal people that don't do something, that don't do comedy, so to make us feel like we're interesting. But but now you're making me feel not interesting. I so I want to spoof that as I, though we're on live TV. So how how long do you think like like thirty minute, like ten a, like seasons. A, like a t- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was thinking about doing was, uh, like, speaking of a writing project, doing. So, uh, so this is my idea, I guess. It's Kay. kind of. I'm Listen, not going to. We it's will similar. put this one on the podcast, folks. So steal this one yeah. if you want. <laughs> Take it. Um, like a, I don't know. I, I don't want to call them episodes, but I'll I'll just call them skits. Like put it in your skit. Put it in my your skit. Um. Like a thing called open mic night, and you literally follow <laughs> one comic, right? So it would start off with like me, let's say, and follow me throughout the day, mm-hmm. like in a written fashion, like we'd write it all out, like starting at the cubicle, right. should be doing something, but I'm writing <laughs> jokes, yeah. and then just what like the whole day is like. Taking shit in a meeting. And Not- when you get to open mic and then doing the set, right? But also... Doing that for everybody yeah. that's on the show, and then how they all kind of intersect. So, like, I'd get a text from you, right? And then later, like, two episodes later, it'd show you sending the text, right? And then what, like, what throughout your day, like, if you wrote a joke about that day, or like, whatever it is, right? Like, how you get ready for open mic. Have the guy who takes too much shit in the meeting and doesn't say anything, but by that night, he. He sells as what he wanted to have said in the meeting as though he actually said it. Yeah. So I told my boss, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> but it just, you flash back to him not totally not. And it's totally like not, not doing that, yeah. <laughs> and show like the embellishments. Do you know, like something with my with my daughter, right? And then I go up and I do a joke about how my daughter hates me. But really, like if you see the interaction, you could see how it was embellished a right. lot. But also just, it's one night. You could do 10 episodes on one night and just pick a different comic. Yeah. And follow them and like even even at like the open mic when you film there like you'll see like every character cross paths with each other that'd be cool yeah 
So, but I don't know if it'd work. You know, it'd take like a shit ton of actual so much time. Probably can't do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other part is how much time do you have? But I waste so much time. And one of the things I'm really starting to learn is the busier I am, the less trouble and stress I get myself into. So when there's a task that I enjoy ahead of me, so if we decide to write scripts for something, when we're doing this podcast, when I'm mixing this, putting it together, pushing it out, none of the bullshit that surrounds on the come up comedy and these comedy scenes touches me at all. I don't care what anybody does. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm. it's not like a, it's not an antagonistic stance either. It's not like a, yeah, that's fucking right. It's just a, I'm fulfilling myself and doing the work I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not, and I'm putting it out there. I'm not bothered with the things that don't actually matter. But when I start to go stagnant, that's when I worry about all the whispers in town and who's doing what and all that bullshit. All the rabbit holes. Yeah, so even if it's a waste of time, it couldn't possibly more of, be more of a waste of time than the other things I could be entertaining my brain with. I think it's just something to look forward to. Yeah. Right? And it's something that... Something to work on. It, anything that gets you thinking... Uh, like everything kind of leads to hopefully material, right? But that same that same thing that in, like if your brain is engaged, right. like that creative, like it's kind of like when you're in a good writing mood, it's like feeling like that, like you're on a roll. Like right. new ideas feel like that. Like it's like, okay, I have this idea. It's not like into fruition right now, but you have all these ideas and grabbing all those ideas and actually like honing them in and bringing them closer to what the actual project is. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's not like a gas tank where whatever you use depletes, it's whatever you use, you're kind of refilling the tank by using it. It's the Tesla. It's the the Tesla. The the Tesla of, (laughs) of trying to be creative. I'm not mechanical enough to know if that's right or wrong. So it sounds, neither am I. I can't, I can't, I've never been in a Tesla, so what do I know? Yeah, sounds good to me. But But yeah, it does. It feeds itself. Like, on a typical occasion, we wouldn't have recorded this. But people have started to listen to this for whatever weird reason. It's crazy. And so now I feel like it's validating of, oh, yeah, the thing that we were worried might be a waste of time. And it's weird. When people actually start listening to it, you realize that it wasn't a waste of time even if they didn't. Yeah. As soon as I found out that people were interested in this, I was like, oh, yeah, but I'm just talking to my buddy anyway, for one. And we get to talk about comedy for an hour. And even if even if 100 people listen to it only, that's like doing an open mic. It's like an extra open mic. It's it's like an extra show. It's more than an open mic. Yeah. Right? Way more. How many people come up to like 60? Maybe. 60 to 70, depending yeah, on the place. 60, 70 on a Jeez, good 60 night. 60 to 70. That's pretty good, though. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. We had 40 at the yeah. 40 to 50 at the last show. So, yeah, but, so but the room sat 40 to 50. Yeah, that was by design. Exactly. That was uh, That's what I wanted to talk about was the show that happened on Saturday, which was honestly, I hate to, I hate to be prisoner of the moment, might have been the best show. I, I've been a part of since I've started doing stand-up. It might have been my favorite show. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should be taking credit for that, but you yeah, should. thank you. You should. <laughs> it might have been the favorite one I've been a part of. Forget everything. Forget uh, Tembler shows, full shows. Forget whoever it is that we're opening for. That night might have been my favorite night in comedy. 
Well, when, when we were trying to conceptualize this show, for one, we just wanted it to be fun, mm-hmm. right? It just have a fun show, but also have an intimate show. Right. So not a lot of seats. That does two things for us. It it takes away the worry of having to fill 250 seats. Which I can tell you is awful. Yeah, it, it, because the whole time you're just worried about the show. Mm-hmm. You're just worried about how many tickets are selling. You're worried about who's going to show up, if people are going to show up, and if you can actually do a show to for that room. Where with this show, by design, it was like, we want 40 to 50 people. We want it to look like a closet. And we want to talk about some shit, right? right. Like, we want... You, I think you connect more when when shows are that small, and that is something that we don't necessarily have here in town. Where Rocket Shop, it is a smaller venue, right? And it is still very intimate. But then we pack the place to the gills. We could not get another three people inside of that. It was that the, show. It was just perfect size enough to have standing room only, but everyone could fit. We didn't have to turn one person away, but if one more person came, we would have had to turn them away. Yeah, we we were right on. We were right so on about fifty three people, I would guess. Yeah, in but, there. But to me, that's what comedy is, right? That that is the ideal environment for selfishly. When I was mm. thinking about putting on this show with Margaret, I was like, I I would love to be on a show like this. Like it's small, it's intimate, and. That's kind of where I thrive. Right. So automatically, I was like, we can do it. We should do it. And these are the people that should be on the show. So to, yeah, just to back up on it, the show was at Mesh Cowork, it's called, right? Yeah. Mesh Cowork. So Mesh Cowork, which is downtown, um, second floor above a coffee shop. And it's the first time anybody's given a run to actually do anything inside of there that's not an actual meeting. Business. Like it's a meeting space. Right. And so... Uh, I had spoken to Margaret and went to go visit her one day at Mesh. We checked the room out and automatically was like, we we can do this. And for her day job, she works in the Mesh co-work space. Yeah, so she's already she's she familiar had, with the area. She knew that they were purchasing this other office that was right. big enough to do something. And it has like the window backdrop, so it looked pretty cool. And we just said, all right, let's do it. Like, why not? Worth like, a try. Yeah, worth a try. It, we still got uh, the... The day of jitters, I'm. That's one thing about putting on a show that's so vastly different than actually just showing up to a show and doing comedy, is I forgot how much, how much goes into running a show, creating flyers, printing flyers, passing out flyers, getting tickets, passing out tickets, trying to promote, trying to get people to come, doing Facebook booths, like all those things that are not comedy. No. None of it is comedy, and lucky, luckily enough, we were about, I think we had about a month lead time, so I kind of had an idea of the material I wanted to do, but I hadn't really sat and th- like sat with the material and thought about, okay, is how's this going to work together? I literally sat down like an hour before showtime, after everything was settled, chairs were up, everybody, all the comics had gotten there, and looked at my material, and it's kind of very... It's very counter to what you want. I want to be doing right. I just want to show up to shows and do comedy. Right. Um, this was kind of just a step in. You have yeah. to sweat it out. Yeah. There's nothing harder when you've got the heart of the artist and you really want to be a comic. We've. I've often said, as jokingly, I've said, 
comedy is the least funny thing I've ever done. Is is the business of comedy? Is the the administrative aspects of comedy? There's nothing less funny than that. And and when it comes to that approach and that sensibility, the most stressful, unfunny, no payoff aspect of even that is booking a show because you're the artist. You like to be on the artist side of it. And now you got to be on the business administrative marketing side on it, which is the whole reason we got into comedy is to someday avoid doing marketing business and administration or work or work (laughs) or work. I just want to share my well collected feelings with a group of strangers and impart that upon them and then end it. But you can't, like you said, you hand out the flyers. Then there's the stress of wondering if people are going to show up. Yeah, and the the tricky part of that room is normally you could paper a room. So if you have 250 seats, you can give away 50 tickets. And if you're lucky, if 10 of those people show up. Uh, But if 10 of those people do show up, you're fine. If I gave away 50 tickets to this show and 10 of those people showed up, we would have i would have been like we would have been to the gills right we just don't have the capacity inside that room to give away that much tickets without an actual commitment of yes if if i give you this ticket you're definitely going to come because what happens is you hand somebody something that has no value and when it's perceived to have no value they don't there's no commitment right so i can't tell you how many times we've gotten free tickets to things and we don't show up no because we didn't you know we didn't there's no pay loss. anything. Yeah, like, oh, I can't make it, whatever. If right? there's nothing else going on and I feel like it, I'll go. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's no there's no stake in the game. But we, we did, uh, we gave away a decent amount of tickets. Uh, but you're right, it's, it's the stuff I don't like to deal with. It's right. the printing out the flyers, putting them up. Um, doing all of that stuff just isn't fun because it's not comedy, but also it feels slimy. Yeah. On some level where you're talking to people about your show, you feel like a salesman sometimes. And I mean, I want people to show up to the show because I want them to come see some of my favorite comics. I mean, of course I want to perform for them, but at the same time, like I want it from the first comic to the last comic to be a really good show. And the other aspect is when you're worrying about whether people are going to show up or not, you're worried you're going to let everyone else on the show down. You're worried you're going to let the venue down you're worried we're a small town scene. You're worried you're going to let the scene down by not pushing the scene further. The people who naysay you or who whisper about you, you're worried you're going to feed those things. Like all that whole, all of that is in the back of your mind, whether you want it to be or not. There's there's a lot of ego involved. Yeah. Right? Because everybody knows unavoidable. that. Yeah. There's going to be pictures posted. Uh, comics are going to show up. Community members are going to show up. And the show people can leave saying really positive things about your show and that just doesn't go for the audience but for the comics that were involved for the people that were cutting tickets right uh for everybody or they can leave saying it was a complete shit show the mic didn't work we didn't have a mic the seating was a disaster finding the place was a disaster and that's one thing that was unique to this spot was Nothing has ever happened there, and it's the second floor on top of a coffee shop, and it's really hard to find. Right. You had made the um, observation when during your set that it looks like we're in detention. Yeah. Right? And that's exactly what it felt like. And so the whole time, 
I kept thinking, can people actually find this place? Like, would I know how to find this place? Me, who actively wants to go to comedy shows, I would find it. But if I'm a casual person that got a free ticket, and you're telling me I have to go upstairs, every obstacle, no matter how small it is that you put in my way, is I'm more likely not going to show up. Right. Right? Like, the more clicks I have to do, the more walking I have to do. Oh, there's stairs. I don't want to do that. Two sets of stairs, and it's not going to start for a half an hour? Fuck this, Yeah, man. there's... Could have been that. so easy to go to Sandrini's for a drink before the show and them to go, you know what? Let's just call it. Yeah, because the 8, eight o'clock start time... Mm-hmm. Is like that, like for you and I at least. Like at eight o'clock, I want to be wrapping up, <laughs> whatever it is. Like I want, my, I want my night to be on the decl- decline from eight o'clock. I don't onward. go to any shows. I was just at a bar right now meeting somebody over a business thing that I didn't want to be at because I'm not a businessy guy. I'm I'm a polar bear on a unicycle in that regard. I just trying my best to learn the moves, and there was a jazz band getting set up to start and i'm like oh what a good excuse to get the fuck out of here because i didn't even want to be here for the thing i came for let alone if there's some show i didn't plan on breaking out so yeah i don't go to anything i always say the worst comedy or the, the worst shows are when people are running into your shows <laughs> right like there was and no so show. many of those that's like, most of them yeah that's most of them so probably how those people like the jazz musicians probably felt like when people started leaving when they started playing it's like Oh, yeah, nobody told them this was going to happen, and that's not what they're here for. Um, We got lucky that with Mesh, there was no reason to be in there. No other reason. Unless you're going to that comedy show. Such a benefit. Here's the advantage that musicians have that comedians don't have. As a musician, you don't have to give a shit if anybody's there to see you or not because you don't necessarily need feedback for your show to go well. I can't tell you how many times I've been to like a steak and grape restaurant or a steakhouse or whatever. They have a musician in the corner playing tunes. No one's really paying attention, but they hear the ambiance in the background and everyone kind of enjoys it. You're having your conversation about your day. Dude's playing his life away, doing his dream that he hopes you're listening to. But And every once in a while you plug in, you're like, oh, that's a good one. He finishes a song, you clap, and that's it. If you do that with a comedian, if you just pay attention to every six minutes, it's going to be... a absolute disaster for everybody involved he would never do comedy again (laughs) it would be death but by design music is meant to be just background i think i mean i mean i i know that there's people who are really into music i'm not one of them but you know before we start a comedy show we we put music on right because it kind of lightens up the room it's it eases tension there's no like you can't hear everything it's just kind of background and Mm -hmm. it feels good and it sets a mood even when that's not what comedy is yeah even when you go to concerts there are a lot of people watching the stage enjoying the concert but there are a lot of people just fucking around walking around the grounds trying to meet people getting drinks taking a piss doing whatever can't do that in a comedy club i've zoned out on so many concerts yeah zoned just completely i and Paid $50, $60 to show up and then just start thinking about other things. I don't think I've been to five concerts in my life. Really? Yep. I went to some country band one time for a Valentine's Day. Obviously not my idea. It was a date. Went to see Dave Matthews Band in Virginia Beach. Not not my idea again. I fucking hate Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, as you should. And I'll tell you a story about those assholes in a second. Went to see Tim McGraw, same place, Virginia Beach. Uh, and went to see Dave Matthews Band again. For somebody who doesn't like the Dave Matthews <laughs> Band, 
two out of the five concerts, 40% of the concerts you've been to have been the Dave Matthews band. Bo- Think both, about that. Both I was with somebody who really liked the Dave Matthews band. So that's you do what you got to you do what you yeah, do. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Here's the here's the fucking asshole part of the deal though on behalf of the Dave Matthews band. I went to see him in Virginia Beach. They played for about 2 or 3 hours. Then I went to see what was called a very special evening with the Dave Matthews band. <laughs> a fucking way was it a special evening. Here's what happened. It was acoustic. They come out, they play a 2 or 3 hour show regular. I'm like, "Mother Fucker. So the exact same thing that you watched at Virginia Beach? They play a two or three hour show and then they finish their set and then the roadies come out and tear down the set. Then they put up a new set. Then the Dave Matthews band comes out again and plays an acoustic set for two hours. So this is like a fucking five or six hour night with the Dave Matt. Now, I like one Dave Matthews Band song. I couldn't name one. a Dave Matthews Band Everyone song. knows the one I like because it's the only one almost anybody likes. What is it? Crash. me. I don't even know the song. God damn it. I'll play Maybe I'll play it. Yeah, I'll it'll play be this episode. the outro. <laughs> it'll be the outro. I've seen nearly nine hours of Dave Matthews Band. I might have seen 15 hours of concert total. Nine of them of Dave Matthews Band. Guess the one song they didn't play. No, they didn't play. They didn't play that song at all. It's their biggest song ever, and they don't play it because it's their biggest song ever, and it's the one song they won't play. That makes no sense to me. They're sick of the song. They don't want people to go just to hear the song, so they don't play it. I didn't know that. I sat through nine fucking hours. I, Not once. That's like the end. Like, why would anybody do that to their fans? Exactly. Like, if you go see Smash Mouth, all they're playing is All Star for they nine hours play, straight. That's right. You better play that 16 <laughs> times. Because I don't know what else you have. All you have, have is All Star as far as I know. They have Walking on the Sun, I think. Might as well be Walking on the Sun. It's no All Star. <laughs> it's no All Star. Everybody's there it's to watch It's not, all, but it's here. a good break. It, like, so you play four All Star, and you're like, I, don't, I think I'm done with All Star. And they might as well be Walking on the Sun. All right, I'm recharged. Give me another All Star. Did you know that people throw loaves of bread at, at, the, at them when they play All Star? <laughs> I have no idea why, and I don't know where it came from. Uh, but if you're listening to this, do some research, figure it out. I have no idea why, but they throw loaves of bread at them. Wow. I like people what bring like. loaves of bread when they to say, concerts. Hey, now you're an all-star. And then they, yeah. And then they throw the, the bread at them. That doesn't even make sense. I don't either. I, I mean, I don't understand it. I don't know where it came from. I'm sure there's some really funny bank sure it's smash mouth and not like they no. throw it at cake. It, when it, cake it is. Plays. <laughs> <laughs> He's going the distance and they're just throwing... <laughs> Jeez, French be, bread in your face. To be to be an alternative band from the nineties, it just seems like you just needed three songs, and that was going to take you forever. You could be on tour. By the way, that was such a good song. He's going the distance. You don't know that one either, that, do you? I, I know the, the song, first... but I don't think it's called "He's Going the Distance." He's going for speed. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's what it's called colloquially. It's called going the distance. That's what anyone else would. It's probably not. But if when I say whatever, if I said whatever the name was, you'd be like, "What the fuck's that?" But when I say going the distance, you go, "Oh, I know that song." There's why this, do you got to be that guy? There's this whole like <laughs> genre of like acts, like like Cake, like Smash Mouth, mm-hmm. and then the 
like they garbage. might as well be the same band. Like it's like, what's that band that's saying? Uh, Get together, hanging around. Downtown Marcy Playground by myself when I've had two. I've always I just Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. I wasn't allowed to have that song when I was a kid because it said sex in the song. Uh, I wasn't allowed to have. I was candy. in seventh grade. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> One of us had too much of one and the other too much yeah, of the other. Yeah, exactly. I've had too much candy. <laughs> Marcy Playground. Couldn't have it. Straight jerking off all over my house, but couldn't listen to Marcy Playground. Oh, did you remember, uh, did you have this channel growing up? It was called The Box. I wish I had it. So it w- it's a pretty interesting channel now thinking back on it because it's like the, like it is it is literally like a poverty channel. So the okay. way it works is you had to call into the so it's a a channel that everybody got. I don't and by everybody I don't know exactly how many people had it, but if you didn't have cable, you could have the box, which is the name of the station. And you can play music videos, but somebody has to call, request it and play for it and pay for it. Oh. And if nobody's paying for music, all it is is like a menu of things you can call and play so if someone calls and pays they play it for everybody they play it for everybody it's a worldwide jukebox yeah that's amazing and it was big when it was like bone thugs and harmony and with that song i wish i was a little bit taller Skilo. yeah and sometimes it would play like 10 times in a row because people were requesting people it so love Skilo. yeah and but if like on a Tuesday night, nothing going on. You couldn't watch the box because nobody was calling to if request anything. You could anything. listen to Skilo ten times on the yeah, box. For $3. I wish I was like six foot nine. If so for I could three dollars, Miyoshi. Yeah, because she don't know me. But yo, she's really fine. <laughs> but I don't know what happened. What a great idea! They should do that now that you can specialize, and then just have people pick a playlist, and then if you don't like it for too long, you go to a different channel. Isn't that what Spotify is? I don't think so. I think they randomly select it, but it's not user programmed all, all i remember is all those bands that we just spoke about they were all on the box and You're, so like i was waiting for bone thugs and harmony and then like cake would come on or like <laughs> and it was just like and there was this intro like this this visual that would show up on your screen letting you know that something's about to play right and you just had to wait like you would linger like oh i can't wait i wonder what 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 somebody's playing and it's like waterfalls by tlc you're right though that they should have got just all those bands together and be like all right your best song goes with their best song we're just going to make one good album and they did that and it was called mtv's jock jams is that what it was (laughs) or like now that's what i call music or uh, uh, party to go uh well the 90s was filled with like if you bought an album one song was good for eighteen dollars i know so think about this i used to my first job I got paid five fifty an hour. It was my first job in Same. high school, like five fifty, maybe six dollars. And a CD costed eighteen dollars, right. seventeen ninety nine at the warehouse. Mm-hmm. I had to work three hours to get nine shitty fight for fighting songs, so I can hear the one good fight for fighting. Song. Who's fight for fighting? You don't remember fight for fighting? No. Oh yeah, nobody does. Cause what's their big song? Superman. How, g- give it to me. Um. I don't. I don't even recall the words. It's that's not like that's. The, so they were closer to like. You're uh, not talking about Three Doors Down, are you? No, they were closer to like. What's the band that plays? Uh, Drops at Jupiter Train. Oh, they were closer Christ. to that. Okay. Than they were anything else. They but had fight one. For fighting. Okay. Yeah, it was one. They'll song. play the Kern County Fair this year. Yeah, three. <laughs> so I would work three hours to buy an album with one. I'll give you one song. better. 
fucking idiot I was. I was working at Sears for five fifty an hour, and I was selling TVs in the draw, which meant that you could get commission, but you had to sell $5.50 in commission for every hour that you worked. And if you didn't, you would get your minimum wage, but then you'd be in the draw. So if you sold tremendously the next week, you didn't get commission because you owed money in the draw. So not only did I get five fifty off the start, I knew I was never gonna get any more than five. Yeah, you could never sell. And I could only I could only work three hours a night because from six to nine after school, and there was a Chick fil A in the mall that <laughs> that I would get a fifteen minute break. <laughs> so I'd get I'd get a fifteen minute break and I'd go to Chick fil A and get like a nine ten dollar meal sit there and eat it when i was making you know 15 bucks i was making 1650 before taxes in the night and then take it you know take a quarter to a third away i was making 12 bucks spending 10 bucks at chick-fil-a <laughs> at chick-fil-a it, i was working for i should have just worked at chick-fil-a was that your first job yes sears sears was my first job from the time i was 17 until i was about 21 and then i quit for a year and then I was there until I was 23. At the same yeah. Sears or were you like off to college, like at another Sears? I was at the same Sears through college. And then the last two years of college, I, I just worked. I worked basically full time, but not full time. So they didn't have to give me benefits. It was like 35 hours a week. It's just like, yeah, that right under that. So they hovering. didn't have to deal with you and would go to school full time too. And then when I got out, I was an auto center man well, i was in a management program and then i was an auto center manager in in lancaster which was a which was a f- further it was like an hour and a half away from my hometown jeez and i remember moving away from there and people being like yo that's crazy it took so much guts to move away like that an <laughs> hour away fucking hour yeah that's uh, hour away. i could fall out of bed and land at the place yeah my first job was a movie theater yeah, how many times did you get yanked off in the back? Oh, the movie theater was still to this day the Pecker best job I've ever had in my life. Put the old slanker in the popcorn. <laughs> was it a good time? Yeah, because you figure I'm I'm 16 years old, right? I am at Ooh, the only theater on. in town. To our listening audience, think of about it. Think a about 16 a 16-year-old year old spry, new to the world, Joey. The fucking phone turned off. Flexible. God damn it, we're never going to get a I'm good flexible. Clip. That's before I had my astigmatism. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, no glasses, better hair. I was ready to earn it. Better posture. Sixteen-year-old uh, Joseph, fresh off of emailing MTV's made. made. Yeah, it, but that was the best job I've ever had because it was at the time the theater I worked at was the only theater in town, and so literally everybody was at this theater. So all everybody my age that I wanted to see was coming to this movie theater, and I was either cutting their tickets or hanging out, and it was cool to just have a job. Period. Like right. if you had a job, you were cool, and that's and we a got cool free job. movie tickets. Yeah, we got free movie tickets, and that was the first time I ever got to perform because I would they would let me record the the movie tapings at night. Right. So when you would call and get like the movie phone, that was me, and I took it very seriously. And I would spend like forty five. It was my first podcast essentially. You, wait, <laughs> you were the movie phone voice. Yeah. Can you give us an example? Uh, I'm trying to think of what the script was. It was Scream uh, Two. Let's go with Scream Two. Thank you for calling Edwards Cinema <laughs> 14 with something something in dynamic digital sound. Today the showings are Shrek at three o'clock, 
four o'clock and five fifteen. Nice. You always had to do like that, like that, because I just went off of like what old movie guys sounded like. Yeah. And it was like that. That last showing had to linger a little bit, so it was like four o'clock and five fifteen. <laughs> I like that. And, and and it was just one constant recording. So I would record 60 showtimes maybe. And if you messed up number 40, you had to start all over again. So it was like just going off the script. So you've always gotten jobs and the boss assigns you to do shit that have n- that nothing to do with the nothing job. Nothing to do with what I'm actually supposed to be doing. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, man. it's uh so that was my first podcast. I had uh, about yeah. about 300 episodes. Any good bits in there? Tons of listeners. So what we would do is uh, every once in a while, like we'd have fun with it, and one of my buddies would come up with, up with me to record, and we'd trade off the show times. So I'd say three o'clock, and then he'd go four o'clock, and then six o'clock, I and then at the end, it was one recording, and it went as long as you let it record. But most people would hang up after the last showing, or um at the end there was like this thing we had to say like a disclaimer like about handicap seating or something but if you sit on the line another 20 30 seconds every once in a while we drop like an f-bomb or <laughs> just something because we thought it was funny because nobody would ever actually make it to the recording we'd give away like our friends phone numbers like oh if you're calling for a good time call 300 like whatever right, right. and it was like but nobody and they never got any complaints because Nobody no made listens. it. Nobody made it that far <laughs> in the recording. So if you want to see Shrek, you're gonna listen until the end of the Shrek show times, and that's it. And the boss never checked it. No, never to see what you did. Nobody ever they checked it because yeah. the boss was 17. Oh, there was two things: get the times <laughs> right and say dynamic digital sound. But you yeah. have to say it: dynamic digital sound. I like that. Yeah. So at you five fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, in those jobs, you're 16. The boss is 18. Actually, they they actually had like their their managers were like forties. Oh no! What yeah. were they? What were they like? They were actually, you know what? I mean, given that I'm 16 at the time, like they they they, they sound they, they were seem fine, fine, right? Yeah. And uh, from what I hear, that company, like it was like Regal Entertainment Group. They actually yeah. pay decent. Oh, they and do give good benefits and stuff like that. That's so I mean, I, I didn't see any of it. I was making five fifty an hour and spending half that at China Bistro. But yeah. There you go. Yeah, I did the same thing. We would take a break. Whatever you get. Spin eight, nine bucks. You spend. That is a good gig, though. So any other any other fooling around you got to do in the movie theater? No, not at the time. Like, girls weren't really, like, into me at the time. Yeah. Not that they're into me now. Well, that's why we're into this. Yeah, that, that's, that, it's for the ladies. Yeah, if girls were really into us when we were 16... We would have we would be busy having normal lives right now. Yeah, we'd be having business lunches. We'd be right? so much business less dinners, funny. Yeah, which I just dinners. did, and I got out of early so I could come talk about this shit. So anyway, the show on Saturday, <laughs> it was a blast, man. It we're gonna was, do it again. At, we're gonna do it again. We're actually looking at uh, lineups for next time and toying with some ideas. But it, it was a blast for a number of reasons. Number one, like you said, everyone that showed up, this wasn't. A venue, this wasn't attached to a restaurant and people order food and maybe they check out comedy. No bar. We brought we brought some like waters and sodas and all yeah, that we, stuff. We brought in our own drinks, like not alcoholic drinks because th- we were not necessarily licensed to do that. We right. didn't want to like leave that taste in Mesh's mouth. So we brought coffee. We brought waters. We brought sodas. Like We're sitting there. 34 years old, 33, 34 years old, selling canned sodas Mm -hmm. to 40 people that show up to our comedy show. Like, we feel ridiculous, but at the same time, it was amazing. And no one 
like you said, no one was there for anything else. But if you came, you were there to see a comedy show and only a comedy show. No distractions for one. Two, you did a good job of marketing it to where all of the people that showed up were new. They haven't been to one of our comedy shows before. They haven't been to the open mics before. For some reason, some of them were podcast listeners, which was so cool. One of the guys we're going to get on the podcast here and we'll talk bring to him on. Yeah, I think that'd we're going to bring blessed. him on, especially him because he was like he was excited, and we were super excited because he was like, "Oh my god, I think I I feel like I know you guys." And I was like, "Dude, we feel you like do. we know you too. Yeah, you, you do. do. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, you know us more than anyone else does." Daniel Pimienta. Yeah, we'll up. get him on. We'll, we'll bring him, definitely bring get him on. The on. Pod. Yeah. His, uh, I think his wife works where I work. Oh, cool! So it, on one of the, on another floor. But that's another cool thing. Is what are the odds of that? Out of fifty people, some people actually listen to us on a regular basis and come out for that. So yeah, that been, that it's a good feeling. The show started at a perfect time. Sun had just gone down. The host couldn't be a better last minute call. Pro of all pros, Andrew Boydston he comes in. Flame throws it, does a fire job. Tremendous. Landon opens up. Tremendous. Landon is such a help at any show. Yeah. Like, he's just like a Swiss Army knife in terms of, like, what you would need for a show. What you would, like, not only his, like, his material's really great and it kind of fits a lot of rooms. And there's something very, like, real about what he's saying. Because he talks about, like, the you know, we don't have to go into it here. Like, yep. the mom, like, all those things, right? Yep. It's kind of comedy I like. Um, but also he's just so technically inclined, like, yep. and he's always willing to do the thing that like nobody else wants to sign up to do. Go get her. Um, yeah. So it's really great having, and having him out and it's great that he came out. Learning quickly beyond his years because of it. Margaret gets up, smashes, destroys the room. You get up, smash, destroy. Like from start to, f- and the crowd was amazing from start to finish. They just gave us everything and they listened to everything at all the emotional parts of our act between the setups and the punchlines. When you would hit one of your emotional parts, they would go <gasps> like they were listening. I Like I, I told one bit where it's I'm making fun of a person for being very disadvantaged. They were mean. They were mean in my story. But I'm taking a really hard, <laughs> <laughs> a really hard stance, a really it. hard line at a vulnerable person. But when I said what she did that was mean to her husband, everyone in the room, men, women, old, young, everyone went, no. And you got and that's and when you wrote that bit, that's a reaction you wanted. When right? it ha- yes, when it happened in real life, that's how I felt. And it's and it's so rare that people are that tuned in that they're they're living it as though they were with you when you saw it happen. Yeah. And that's the uh that this is kind of a little bit down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but to me, when I say like comedy doesn't always need to be funny, right? yep. like it doesn't need to be like joke, 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 joke. I think you just need to feel something, right? Like there has to there can be moments of silent, but you have to make me feel something, much right. like you did for that joke for that crowd, where it's like Yes, we're all here to laugh, but also if you make me feel something, if you make it's it's just as good as a it's a re, right. we're here to react. That's what we're here for. Yeah, and that's it's, that's a great bit. And it's fun to play they with. Gave them. you exactly what they you know that's exactly what the bit deserves. When a crowd lets you play with them like that, it's such a rare commodity on the up and coming circuit. Yeah, and it everybody was there. 
to ha- for one nobody was like too uptight um and every everybody was loose everybody was like they were the perfect audience and the perfect size the perfect size venue right and it's like all these things that i was afraid of <laughs> like these okay they're gonna have to go up two flights of stairs or it's gonna be really hard to find right ultimately what it did was really filter out the people who actually wanted to be there so it almost it i mean maybe on some level gave us a better audience because it's like these are people who willing to who are willing to find this place willing to go up another flight of stairs willing to go down this long hallway and kind of you know it could be an escape room right like that's what it looks like and they're willing to do all that to come out in their podcast listeners some of them and some of them have never seen of us or heard of us and somehow found the show and some i think one guy that was there said that he had heard that he had like followed somebody from Tumblr. could have possibly been you i'm assuming right um and so it's it was a good it was like the perfect mix of people yeah and they came from the perfect avenues and it was a mix of people that normally wouldn't congregate for any tip just like us comics we wouldn't we without comedy we would have never met each other this audience without this comedy show probably would have never gathered in the same room. They were they were from all different walks of life and got together and just shared the moment, which is just so rare and for an intimate setting like that made it extra special that you could see it happen. Yeah, and what I liked about the size of the room is you can literally see everybody's face. Right. Right? Like there's a lot of opportunity for connection in a room that size and it was just ideal. Like it was from start to finish. It was the perfect amount of show time, like actual time that we were running. Right. Um, it was the perfect time allotments between all of the comics where it wasn't, you know, nobody was doing like a ton. Nobody was doing a little bit. Um, right. It's like you get, you got a feel for every single comic. And that was actually one of the comments that somebody made about the show was that everybody felt so different. Right. But yet it was kind of cohesive at the same time. Yeah. Show started at 8, ended at about 10. Doors opened at 7. During the course of the show, I think one person in the entire show got up to go to the bathroom. Lexi pointed out that I didn't even think of no hecklers. Yeah. No not, one even not, spoke out. Yeah. And we even kind of ourselves kind of went out and you know pointed a few people out mm-hmm. but it's always in good it's not to make fun of anybody it's right. always been in good spirit so that typically do- doesn't result in hecklers um but there was with any other crowd there would have been opportunity um i want to say that my favorite my favorite part of the whole night was that we've done some version of this show before right like a close lineup to what we did that night right um close um, in terms of attendance like people that much people have shown up to shows um but the show's getting better right yes. which means hopefully we're getting better <laughs> right so we had a show so similar to this lineup two to three years ago and i don't know charged five dollars or something like that right but like this show was three times that show right right because we're hopefully two to three times the comic well and we're also two to three years smarter by accident so if you've noticed all the last minute calls that we made worked out yeah so get you get in the spot there was no spotlight in there you went out and grabbed the spotlight last minute worked out perfectly finding the location for the spotlight last minute it just happened to show in a place that we could see it but doesn't blind everybody else 
the light on the other side worked out perfectly. Margaret grabbing drinks and some like I forget if she grabbed snacks or whatever she had. There was just there were just enough drinks that the people who wanted them could get them, and the people who didn't didn't need. It was just enough that she only had a couple of waters at the end of the night. Um, the recorder in the back of the room was set up in the right spot. Dear God, I hope. We're going to have to cut out that landing part if we don't get that recorded. I know. Yeah, he's done. (laughs) The speakers were tuned perfectly. All of it just happened to work out exactly the way we needed it to. Yeah, it was such a... I want to say it's probably the most... If I were to remove myself from actually running the show, from the ins and outs of it, uh, passing out the flyers, giving out the tickets, like doing all those things, trying to promote... um, it's probably the most fun I've had on a show in two or three years, if not longer. Yeah. And the thing that makes the other shows, my other favorite shows fun, isn't even everything we described. It's the fact that like, Hey, I get to drive with my buddies somewhere and hang out and do this show. And then everything that surrounds the show is what makes it worth it. Right. Where I think this was everything. It was, everybody got to hang out. Everybody did really well. And also the show was really great. So it's like not too often that all those things happen on the same night. Yep. That was one of the best parts is right before the show, we went over to grab a drink at Sandrini's. and You, me, two other comics are sitting at a table having a drink. Then a portion of the crowd comes over. They were just getting seated, comes over to the bar to drink before the show too. So they're sitting at a booth right next to us and we're going to be performing we go back over the show like, hey, I'll see you over there in a little bit. We go do our thing. They do their thing. Come do the show. The show's gangbusters. And then afterwards, we all have a good little mingling time, and we all go our separate ways. We're like, all right, we gave you what we wanted to. You took it the way we were hoping. Now go have your night. We'll get out of your hair. Yeah. We'll go. And we'll, and we'll don't act like you weren't trying to Irish goodbye when you were walking to your no, car. I wasn't. I so there's so many little things that, that go on on show night. You know, right? Like... I had I was dragging um, like a, a cooler to my car. I had a notebook. I had the spotlight. I had tables. I had chairs. All right. <laughs> like there's so many things I was taking out to a truck. You didn't have all those things in your <laughs> the one man. Yeah, because I'd gone up a flight of stairs like 19 times that day. I was exhausted. He the only was, thing I could carry was my book. Guys, he was doing the Irish goodbye. He was right about to do it, and I Never. called him out. I was like, I said, "Yo, good to see you, Joe." <laughs> I said, "A hey, B Rabbit," <laughs> trying to eight mile I, out of I this. W- I would have not have done that to you guys on that night. Not on that night. Now, when I we invited everybody out, booked the show, I would not have done that to you guys. Okay. So no, I wasn't. I and, and if anything, on nights like that, I go the opposite way, where I'm the one that's kind of wanting to hang out still. Like I could have gone for another drink, like not like, not like a two or three hour sit down, but just a yeah, uh, a, a thank you pre show drink and then a thank you after show drink and just kind of reminisce on what just happened. That would be cool. Let it sit a little bit. But there's something about the post show that I find doesn't fall out the same way. It, the atmosphere always seems different. Something's been disrupted. You can never capture. I, I have a tough time capturing. That's why I like to go. That's why I like to just go grab a pizza and sit right on this living room floor and just kind of share a moment quietly. you unwind. And I want to be around people that we don't have to talk about the sh- like what, what you and what I said happened. during the show. 
you know, and when you talk to someone after a show that you just did for them, like it's great that they like they want to talk about jokes, but I'd rather just have a drink and like get to know you a little bit more and all that st- and just yeah. talk almost as if we just had a good moment, but not commentating like play by playing the moment to where we because when you do that, you lose the moment. You just kind of keep the thing going and continuing narrative. You tell me a story about your hometown, and now I'll listen to that. I like that, but for some reason, it always seems disrupted, and so I always go, you know what? I'm gonna get out of your hair because it. it I'm, you just go have your night. Well, it, it's unwinding. Yeah. Right. So the whole if you if you're thinking about the show all day, if you're thinking about your material all day, and then the showtime is creeping up, and you're like looking at your set list, moving it around for the last time, really trying to hone in on what you're going to do. And then the whole time that you're at the show, it's like the pre-show jitters. It's watching your friends. It's looking at what's going on in the audience. There's like so much that goes on that day, even if you're not running the show, that it is exhausting, like just mentally exhausting. And it's almost like when you leave a show, it's like, okay, now I don't have to think about any of that the rest of the day. Right. Uh, you have like a little bit of a high if it went well, but you can enjoy a slice of pizza, a burger, and it's going to taste that much better. Yep. And you get to just sit there in silence, either by yourself or with one other person, two other people, keep it small and just forget everything you just like. You yeah. can it, it, and, food tastes better. And the after people you had a good set. Yeah. And the people at the pizza place have no idea what just happened. It's the best part. They're completely out of it. Like you're right, you get to just sit in the as if nothing happened. You know, yep. But here, nothing else happened. We get to just enjoy a half hour, eat some pepperoni, and that's it. Drift away. Yeah, I like that. I I like the I like to pre-show hangout. For one, if I'm running the show, I like everything. Like I like to get everything settled as early as possible, because I really like sitting down with whoever's on the show. And just being like, okay, what are you thinking? Like, yep. not necessarily what you're thinking, thinking like, oh, what are you going to do tonight? Like, let me know. Not like that, but just a, hey, let's have fun. Let's have this mo this moment of of normality, right? Before we do something that is, for most people, really weird, which is stand in front of people and tell them about our dicks for an hour. And that pre-show drink was very relaxing. Of it was kind of, it's kind of a nice, like, not only relaxed by having a drink, but it's also like, all right, if this whole show breaks down, we got the four of us. Yeah. And this, this could be the best 20 minutes of the night. Yep. Like, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's all right. Because it'll be with my friends. Cause it'll even be even funnier when we sit at this table next time. Yeah. We'll, we'll laugh way more about it. Oh yeah. So that was a good moment. Like hanging out with yourself, John Hacker, who came out to the show. Uh, that's another thing. Just. It's so cool to see other comics come out to the show and actively participate in your show because right. they don't have to. So John Hacker was cutting tickets for us. I, he was running the the music that night, right? And most people don't know, but like if if he doesn't show up, it's not a perfect night. Right. It's a good night, but it's not a perfect night. Right. And him being there added to it just same way that having Land in there added to it, same way that having andrew boydson there added to it like it's it it should be like a collective thing and you know he didn't do it for this but he's a really funny guy and the next one he probably will be on yeah it's just a matter of that's how it 
you get you hang out that's how you get on shows and that's a tough part is when people show up and you can't hand out time right just because we kind of know where we want to be time wise and it has nothing to do with you we don't think you're funny because everybody everybody who would show up to a show that we're running or show up to support another comic right. they're funny right yeah. like very few people show up support and they're not funny or at least they're not interested like so i knew whoever did show up if we absolutely had to we could just throw them on right. on a moment's notice and they would do it no questions asked and, and you know had we needed it like john hacker would have been perfect he would have fit in on that show too right so to me that means a lot if you show up which we try to do right yeah. like we try to show up to other people's stuff and even if we're not on the show, just support. Right. Just, hey, we're here. We know you're doing a show. We know you put your heart and soul into this, so we're here to support you. And it's nice to see a shift back to those older days of three or four years ago when people were supporting. And you don't you don't have to support. But I feel like now, I don't know if it's societally, I don't know if it's just regional i don't know where it, i don't know what it is because we're we're localized so i we, we're not doing comedy in idaho and shit or wherever cream city <laughs> festival is we should be but even just culturally there's so much of a shift towards being an antagonist is instead of you don't have to support but there's there's oftentimes an instinct towards just for no reason taking a stance against something that has no impact on you so even in that climate to see people who are still going to support is an extra refreshing of you get it you're on the right this is how you get better at this this is how you this is why you're really good at this yeah is, exactly. is because you've got the right mindset as opposed to if something ha if somebody tries if somebody tries hey I'm trying a new storyteller show. The people who go, fuck that, that's stupid. You're you're not gonna get much better. If that's your instinct, I can't if you're because you're if you're not open minded and you're just an antagonist, you're not gonna get much better. And you're you're probably not talking about much on stage either. Yeah. Like if you're just not open minded to things like that, chances are you're you're at least for me, it's not gonna be the kind of comedy I want to listen right. to. Um but yeah, like, I think what happens is that most social media is like highlights of people's life, right? right? So you kind of have this thing that is the complete opposite of that, where it's like when somebody does fail, it's like you want to be the person to call them out because, right. you know, if you post a picture of a booked room and there's 200 people there, well, then I'm going to be the one that posts it when there's nobody there. Right. Because we've seen your highlights, right? Everybody yeah. wants to be the person that's like, I'm the truth teller. The takedown. Yeah, like I'm the one that's going to expose you and your show or your life, like whatever it is. And it's like, it's so ridiculous. It's like running a, sh running a show, you, you kind of feel all those different tensions with other groups and people who don't want you to do well and it's like just so silly because it's like yeah. why why yeah, yeah why? why like, like i want everybody to do well everyone who does well in this i'm happy for i can't like i can't push or drag or or clap you all along but i hope you do 
Yeah. You have my support. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah, right. I can't powder all of your asses, but I I hope you I hope you still do well. But that that like that fuck this guy or like fuck this person categorically. You're you're categorically making yourself destined to be unsuccessful because if you're captain fuck this you need things more successful than you to be mad at and you need a lot of them is basically like oh yeah like i said storytelling show ah fuck that this sitcom ah fuck that oh this person got a writing job ah fuck them ah this person got a new fucking tv show ah fuck you need people doing things and you to be not doing things to get mad at and We've all got the instinct. I've got it. I can't like I can't tell you I've over the last couple of years I've really worked on myself to eliminate my hater energy. Like I used to go like, "Ah, f- Drake is fucking stupid. He makes music for chicks." And eventually I'm going like, "All right, but like 40 million people like Drake and about 40 people like me. He's doing something right." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's And let me find let me try, as soon as I went to this, as soon as I switched energies to, let me try to find what in Drake people like. Now, there's some shit that I real is just never going to be for me. But as someone who puts myself out there now, I realize all he's doing is trying. Yeah. Why would I get mad at him for trying? And on each album, there's two or three things that are for me, and they're good. So I look at myself like, why are you being a shithead, man? It's just to be a shithead. Just to be a yeah, shithead. Yeah, just to do, just to be that person. It's it's just so that I didn't have to write something. Yeah, because I could go fuck Drake so that I don't have to put myself out there. It's easier to shit on that. Yeah, and it's easier, and it sucks to shit on something, whether it be Drake, whether it be comedy, whether it be music, like whatever the case is, because you didn't do the work, and it's so easy to just, yeah. and you have no idea what that. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying Drake feels like this, but I mean, you have no idea what that person, those people, like, yeah. went through, had to do, like, all the little things, getting waters, like, all that stuff, right? Like, all the little things that you had to do in order for you to call them a failure, <laughs> right. right? Like, do millions of things to get called a failure, and it's like... He had to be on Degrassi, for Christ's sake. I mean, let's... I would have been on Degrassi. Come on, I, which one of those things would you turn down? What would you turn down? I mean, there's things that right. I would turn down. That's exactly right. What's he supposed to do? Yeah, like <laughs> People are like, Robert Pattinson's Batman. Yeah, but <laughs> they called him to be Batman. Yeah, if they called me, I'd be Batman. <laughs> yeah. You'd get... And you'd go fuck yourself. You'd get Hispanic bad posture Batman, right? And yeah. guess what? People are going to hate it regardless. People yeah. are going to... Anybody could be Batman, the part right? Like, hard. It, it, it would have been, they would have been upset. And, and you know, you wish you didn't care. You wish you were an asshole. You wish you were an asshole that's like, I don't care. But when you have... Like, sometimes you have acquaintances that are... You know, we don't have haters because, like, people don't have... You're not... You don't have a hater. Like, you're... Yeah, we're not. Dra- we're no doing one's Drake. comedy inside no one, of a yeah, closet. No like, one's Drake. Yeah, Drake has haters. Uh, everyone that hates... You or me or another comic in town, they know us. (laughs) (laughs) They know where we live. They know. They They have our cell phone number. Right. But like you'll have acquaintances that you do some shit and they're not happy about it. And you're like, and it's, it's, it's not a hurtful thing. It's, it's like a disappointment of like, how can you, how can you feel that way? How can it bother you? And I don't get it. I, I'll never get it. Yeah. If I had to guess for, for comedy, 
and this is probably a ton of inside baseball for any, but sorry, Daniel. Uh, Daniel. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of inside baseball, but it's like we are ve- we know the ins and outs of what a successful show is, what it looks like, what it looks like on social media. Just the comic in the photo, not a successful <laughs> show, right? Crowd in the photo, su- successful oh, show. And by the way, over five years, you and I have done plenty of shows that have had just the comic just, in the show. Just, yeah. I've booked, I've booked and ran a couple of shows that we could only put the comic yeah, in the exactly show. because there's literally so there, else Yeah, there. so there's no high and mightiness about it. I've been there, dude. I, I have so much respect for people that try something new. Yeah. For the first... Whether, th- whether it fails or not, it's like... If, and, if, and if people are trying something new, I want to be a part of it, right? Like, I want... I would rather be the person that's like... Yeah, having three hosts on a show all hosting simultaneously could work. Right. Right? Like, I want to be the person that actually, not inspires, that's a really weird word, but I mean, I want to be the person that pushes you to do the thing you already want to do anyways. That's right. Right? Like, Lift it up. Yeah, just, yeah, if you think that's going to work, do it. Because guess what? People have been doing the traditional stuff. And sometimes that doesn't work, right? Right. You could have everything lined up perfectly, and sometimes it just doesn't work. And so, and a lot of it, a lot of it won't work until like this, this, this podcast that we're talking on right now. For the first three months of this podcast, each episode got about thirty-eight to fifty downloads, and that's really hard. It's <laughs> really hard to watch. To watch to post like six episodes and all of them get thirty five people and two of them are me and one of them is me <laughs> one of them's you one of them's Lexi like it it's it was hard to look at that and every day was like God man why am I still doing this and it could very well have still been that way but it changed and why would that bother you why wouldn't you be like ah oh, cool man cool or even if you thought even if someone thinks we suck i would look at that and go fuck they do it and they suck i'm gonna do this for six months it'd be great yeah let us let other people sucking inspire you to try to do something you can be this as opposed to but like right take that inspiration yeah you can be this bad and lots of people will listen to you or some and and on the flip side, you could be really good and nobody listens to you. We've been there too. Yeah, so it's like it's probably whatever whatever 35 people listened to was probably a better episode than we're doing yeah. right now. <laughs> so But fuck you, yeah, you're here now. When I when I take myself out of the equation and I, I'm just saying that because I don't yeah. want to over pump up something that happened or has happened before, when I take myself out of the equation so whether it be a local show, whether it be our show, whether it be my show, whether it be a Tumblr show, like whatever the case is, like when I take myself out of that and look at it objectively, it's like really great stuff, mm. right? We're just so much in the weeds that we don't see what's going on. But like the, you know, the Tumblr shows when you have 200 people show up and every single one of them leave happy. Yeah. And the whole time everybody's laughing and everybody absolutely kills it. We, there's so much great stuff going on. And I don't know, maybe it's, 
it's it's good to podcast about some successes, right? Even yeah. though, or make fun of the failures, right? Both. Yeah, both of them. But I don't know. Like I, I just, I just think there's a lot of great stuff going on. There's absolutely no whether it's this podcast, whether it's my show, whether it's your show, whether it's uh, the Rocket Shop shows, whether it's the We Own the Laugh shows, whether yeah. it's whatever niche shows are way, going on that's right now is a perfect time for it because everything is flourishing the rocket shop shows flourishing tembler shows flourishing the we own the laughs at beacon studios flourishing uh darling show at jerry's is flourishing uh, uh freaking jessica's shows flourishing at the back door at uh, the back door flourishing curtis just did a, a show uh or, or a mic or something like that that did really well uh, there's uh, yours and Margaret's show flourishing. There's places everywhere that are filling rooms. And it used to be, it used to be a rare occurrence that people would turn out for comedy. Now everyone's turning out for comedy and they're getting lineups that are all respectable lineups. Exactly. Like they're getting really good lineups at every single one of these shows. All this, like the thing that we used to worry about three years ago was like, people are going to come out to shows they're going to see some bullshit lineup or show or there's like you said there's going to be no microphone the fucking the lights are going to go off in the middle of the room there's going to be a gunshots yeah, there's going to be gonna like be whatever's going to be and they're never going to come out to comedy again now it's a decentralized thing there's like six or seven different show running enterprises in town all of them are filling rooms and all of them are putting together lineups that if you go out and spend 10 dollars for that show it should be a good show. And dis- despite a lot of the local comics being on a lot of these shows, they're all so different. Yeah. Which is, it's Rare. whatever whatever your cup of tea is, you can find it in town, right? Like, We Own the Laughs, you know, th- there's a lot of people that show up to that that don't show up to our shows, yeah. right? But it's their cup of tea. The show we just did on Saturday, not everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay. But the good thing is, is the people who like that kind of stuff are finding right. those shows. People are finding We on the Left. People are finding the backdoor shows, the rocket shop shows. Like, it's like, and there's people that show up to our like our stuff for a, a period of time, and they probably get filled up with what we do, and they'll come up to me after Tumblr and they'll say to me, "What else do you guys have in town?" And I'll tell them, I'll tell them all five or six that go on in town, and pick which one you want to go to. Yeah, because you'll come back. Yeah, I know what the fuck we do here. You'll come back. I think it's cool the fact that like all this stuff is going on, not as under the, under the surface as it used to be. Right. You know, it it used to be like this huge secret, like that these shows are going on and that yeah, there's it all really these did. really get great comics in town. Like you really had to go out of your way to find a show, it go out be. of your way to support a show. It used to be so hard to reach a to to get a, garner a crowd and reach them and make them believe it would be a good show now there's none of that now you hang a shingle and like 40 people will show it like for the first show 40 or 50 people will show up like all right shows that i go to are good let's see what yours is like and now that second show that second show you better have earned it on the first one yeah the second show's the 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 real barometer i yeah. think the second Every- show is okay you you can fill the room the first time right because it's new it's excitement it's exciting but the second time, can you do it again? And yeah. for something like the caffeinated comedy show, it, can you do it two shows in a row? Can yeah. you do it on the same night? Can you do two shows, right? 
that would be the ideal thing. Right. Uh, can can it work? I don't know, but I'm okay being like, yeah, this might fail, and it's okay. And I don't care what it looks like on Facebook, and I don't care what it looks no. like on Instagram, because no matter who showed up that night, I was still going to get to hang out with my friends, have a drink with the comics I really like. People I cared were going to show up. Yeah. So it's like... And I fail a dozen times a day. Yeah. You think I care if you... You you see me like I want you to see me fail, so that I can share the vulnerability. With I don't want to hide if I I want you to be able to see if I fail. And if that Saturday show had failed, ten year like ten years ago, that would have looked like a success to me. Oh yeah, like I got twelve people to show up. Like yeah, like that's 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 a win, right? Like it's just a simple fact that like comedy in town is just at a different place, but. Yeah, it would have sucked if only 12 people showed up. But kind of checking myself and being like, okay, I've done shows with two people. Oh, right? Yeah. Like I've promoted shows with where only two people show and up. And sometimes made it work. Yeah. Kind of. It would have been, you know, but I don't know. It's that fine line of like, okay, I like running shows is fine, but I'm also a comedian. Yeah. Like my favorite part is being in front of the crowd telling my jokes, telling our stories, right? And show running, it's fine, but it doesn't fill that, you right. know, it doesn't fill that hole like it's being a, on stage. It's a necessary evil. Had I had I bombed on Saturday, I'd probably be singing a whole different tune. Yeah, the show's okay. It was Oof. fine. It was all right. Yeah, to bomb in a room like that would yeah. be a tough one. Yeah, that's that's the other side of this is the actual material. But we've been there too. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've bombed plenty of times. I would have been okay. Yeah, just feel like shit for a couple of days. Get back to writing. You, you do fe- your thing. You feel like shit until the next time you do okay. Not even good, just okay. Right. I did okay. Like, but you're you're fun. right at how different the scene is now and how much it's been built up through the work of everybody. How many times you see a new comic get on stage and they're. They get up halfway through the night or toward the end of the night, and they get up and they go, "Geez, nobody fucking here." And you look, there's like 25 people there. Yeah, and it's like, and you what want, are you talking about? They don't know, and you want to nurture that, but you want to go, "You motherfucker, do you do you know how many people are in here right now?" For yeah, are you kidding me? This is we this this is a Saturday. This was vibe. a stadium for us yeah, four years this ago. This was it is. I'm we, grateful for any audience. Like we, I don't care if it's you know two people, forty people, a hundred people, three hundred people. Like it doesn't matter. We literally played an outdoor. Well, I didn't play it, but the collective we I left early. Strambler Park. Yeah. We literally played an outdoor stadium to less than twenty people. It was about there was a, maybe fifteen people, and it was it's an outdoor festival venue. So yeah. 12 people in mesh co I, I said that I said I just felt it I don't know why but I felt it early in the afternoon and we were sitting there it was it was at mesh co work it was Saturday uh, three hours before the show and we were still t- we still didn't know who was going to show up and I, I said to you I don't know whoever sh- I don't know who's going to show up but they're going to get it yep they're going to whoever get shows show. up they're going to get it because I know everyone that's on this show and I know all the time everyone's doing and if you come out to this and you don't find 10 to 15 minutes you like, you don't like comedy. I was actually fighting with uh, 
with posting something that just kind of irks people, and it would have irked me had I read what I was thinking about posting. I almost post something that <laughs> irks people every day. <laughs> it's but, hard not to. Like, it just something along the lines of like you know what if you're if you're on my facebook feed if you're on my instagram if you're on anything if you're following me anywhere on social media and you haven't shown up to anything good yeah because at this point it's like you're you are missing out on something i'm gonna stop talking about it now (laughs) like i'm gonna stop mentioning this yeah because the people who are showing up, the people who care, that's enough for me right now. And I'm not going to try to impress people who have I've shown time and time again, like, you're not going to, I can't and, impress you. And by the way, you it could just be that you're their love song, Drake. It's just not their thing. Yeah, it may not be. Yeah, and I totally thing. get it. Like, at this age, I get 33 that. years old, people have families, people have careers. There's nothing more soul-crushing to me than talking comedy to somebody who comedy's not their thing. I just had to do it two hours ago. Somebody in the business world, we were talking, and he know, he's a nice guy, so he knows I do comedy. He asked me about comedy, and I gave just the bullet point rundown half-assed because I know he you know, doesn't really, he's just yeah, being nice. Yeah, you don't nice. really care. And, and so it's death. So yeah, if it ain't your thing, we're good, man. We're good. There's no. It's like somebody who isn't into sports. And they make like little comments like, oh, do the Dodgers still have Piazza or like whatever, right? And it's like, look, I don't want to talk to you about sports. You don't want to talk to me about, let's not talk about this. That's what comedy is for That's right. For me in my day-to-day life. Like I, every once in a while, like I'll mention that I do it. Right. Uh, it, but it has to be like in a genuine, like it came up organically kind of a thing. Like if somebody asked me like, hey, what are you going to do this weekend? Oh, I'm doing a show down on Saturday over at wherever. I will say that what I'm not going to do is like be the punch everything up guy in the office and talk about comedy all the time because guess what? Nobody actually cares. Like nobody, if you were a comedy fan and you worked in my office, you would have already known I did comedy. Right. Lack of, lack of interest, lack of information, or like I said, shallow mindedness is the thing that those make me most likely I'll just like smile and nod you away or I'll let you talk your shit and not say because like you said is Piazza still in the Dodgers here's what I want to say when things like that happen or when someone's combative for no reason or they're doing the same they're they're actually doing the thing they accuse you of doing or they're just not into it even though they should be into it what I want to say is if we engaged in this conversation where would I start with you? If you ask, like, if someone, if you were really into baseball and I said, oh shit, is Manny Ramirez still on the Dodgers? You would have to go, dude, where would we begin for me to get you to where I need you to be yeah, to talk about baseball? It's so it's just better to not. It's have just the better to go, nah, nah, not lately. Yeah. And, and let me go, oh shit. Or for, for me to go, what are you doing? You doing a show at Mesh Cowork? Yeah. <laughs> stupid yeah it's easier to just go yeah you're right man it is stupid because because how long would it take for me to get your mind to where it would need to be to see the road that i that i'm taking further than you already it's you've got five years for me to be able to even explain why you should know this so i'm gonna just smile and nod and or say nothing or people call it a hobby Uh, yeah that's probably the one thing that 
that that irks you. Yeah, that irks me. Like, oh, oh, you got a lot of things that that's a cool hobby, and oh. it's like, no, uh, work is a hobby, <laughs> right? Like everything else is a hobby. Yeah, um, it has nothing to do with the fact that I think I'm amazing. Like none of that stuff it has nothing to do with where I stand in comedy. Oh. It's a simple fact that at the end of the day, if I could choose to do one thing and still consider it work, meaning I know there's just all this other stuff that comes with it, right? It's not like going out and, you know, getting, hitting golf balls with your buddies, right? Uh, people aren't actively trying to get better at that. Um, it's, it is not a hobby. They're not trying to hit the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's they're literally just wanting an excuse to drink and but, hang out with their friends. But how do you explain to the typical human resources manager that despite your great cushy job, you consider that your hobby and this thing that no one makes work, you're chasing to make it your living. It's like how would I ever I know like I know you kind of like you hear me. But how how would I ever get you to 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 wear what this means to me? And so I'll like I'll let you you yeah you can only have hobby. you can only have those conversations with few people yeah right like me and you can have those you and I can have those because we're in the trenches and I can have those conversations with certain people in my life, but even people I'm really close to I can't have those conversations no. with like. You, I can't have that conversation with my mother. I can't have it with my brother. I can't have it with my sister. I can't have it with anybody, right? Um, By the way, you can't have it with all comics because not all comics are in the trenches the same way that you feel you're in the trenches. And and it's all really... I mean, there's people... Some are hobbyists. And there's people who probably are listening to this... Which is great. ...who are comics and thinking that we are hobbyists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... But those are the people that it's like, okay, like, what's what's it's that's just being negative some people are in this because it's cheaper than toastmasters and that's fine i don't i don't that doesn't whatever you get from this i knowing what it's given to me whatever you get from this i'm happy for you again why would i roll my eyes at that it well the thing is is like to take that that golfing example people think we're the guys that go out and hit the golf balls when really we're the guys that are ranked 358th in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, we are trying to do this. Like, we are right. on some level trying to get better at this. And, like, there's so <laughs> much room for us to get better. But also, we know that we're leaps and bounds away from hitting off the tee at some driving range. You right. know what I mean? Like, we need to be on the right courses at this point. That's yeah. it. That's the only difference. Yep. So yeah, it it gets. It's just <laughs> we it's, went down a road that was like, <laughs> let's talk about how great the show is, and now we're just like mad at golfers and people and HR. Generalists. I thought this was, I thought this was still pretty optimistic. Yeah, it kind of was. It yeah. was, it but was. I think it's it's this might be just self diagnosis for me as to why I don't give myself to anyone but about but about fourteen people. <laughs> you know, like I don't know if you have that, but I kind of I spend a. a large portion of my day on autopilot and there's only a certain grouping of scenarios and a certain grouping of people I can turn on for and this is my best explanation of it it's just that it's just that I'm living in a frequency that sometimes you just can't you just I, I just can't tune you in and it doesn't it 
it does it doesn't mean anything it just means that i i don't know how to do it yeah i don't know how to like i said explain to the hr rep or explain to my accountant what what comedy actually is on my or what a what a good show like saturday actually is or what this the growth of this podcast actually is or what the death of the if this thing tanks again i can't explain i it's just and someone will just go like yeah so what because they have a stamp collection and and they don't expect their their stamp collection to leave an impact on someone it's just a stamp collection you know when they'll get it though is when they actually come out to a show I almost wanted to say a grandiose Joe Alanese of people are my stamp collection. <laughs> I collect jokes. Yeah. And, uh, Your emotions and are I, my stamp collection. I collect jokes and I give them value. I so do. I am the appraiser, I'm the collector, and I, I'm the... <laughs> I call this one a bicentennial joke. If you came out to a show, though, you would get it. Like, if somebody... I mean, we're talking probably... We're talking to the choir here yeah. on the podcast because if you're listening to this, chances are you're coming to shows. You're goddamn right, you are. But if people came to shows, like if the HR generalist came to a show, they would then understand. We're talking to you, Daniel. What Pian- we're doing. Pianta. That's right. They right. would get it. All they, they have would to get do it. It's like, oh yeah, that is. Oh yeah, they're doing something that this isn't practice, right? Like this is, this is crafted. Right, like there's, we're not home cooks. We're, right. we're chefs. You got, st- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, you got full stories on Saturday. Like it was full stories. It wasn't just, yeah, it wasn't it, just a rubber ducky. Yeah, it wasn't just. And if you want knock, the rubber ducky, I'll fucking. I, we know people. We'll all do right, it. We'll, yeah, we'll still do it. Buy the ticket. We'll find a rubber ducky yeah, guy. We I'll, got it. Look, I know magicians. We know sword swallowers who may or may not be dead. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, you pricks. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still He's going for speed. She's all alone, all alone in a time of need. Because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course. He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse. He's going the distance. Yeah!